Hi, welcome to the Lawcast. This is MJT Law. My name's Melanie Thorley. I'm the director, and this is Christy Santana, the associate. And today we're in our new space. We're in a new space, new yeah. office. Anybody wants to look in behind? You can see there's a few boxes floating around. Yeah, there's still the packing process <laughs> was well. I was away for a lot of yes, it, so a lot of it. I like that. <laughs> for all of it. Well, yeah, you were here. You were here to pack some boxes, but then not here to move at all. No, no, no. I strategically took my yes. annual leave well, well in advance. Yes, brilliant. Uh, to make sure I got away from that. Ah. But here we are in yeah. a new space. New space. And uh, I quite like it. Yeah, it's quite nice. It's a loft. It is. is quite it's cool. got like a mezzanine floor, which is quite fun, and we're all up on the top. So today we are in what we've created as the sort of podcasty video meeting room with plenty of boxes behind us <laughs> so yes. but that brings us to what's on the, the agenda for today i've got a bunch of things i want to talk about just kind of really briefly um i just uh there's, there's a there's a number of things that have happened as you know we've had the election and we've had a bit quick discussion over that um but there's First thing I wanted to talk about was this, uh, this the Australian Labor Party has, are we, as we know, we're going, we're going to be making some changes to the employment yeah. space. And one of the things they're going to be looking at is the uh, slave modern slavery legislation. Right, right. Yeah. Something I, that's been, it, it's a bit of a, I think, a, a bit of an elephant in the room in, it's really weird in one, employment it? in many ways. Well, I mean, we, we talk about it. This is actually kind of interesting. So it's creating corporate responsibility. So for those who don't know, um, slavery exists in Australia. Um, people's passports get taken off them when they arrive. Mm. They get placed into spaces where there are overcrowding, and they get to make work. They get to make made to work very long hours for very little money. Yeah, and there's usually a. Um it's done in a bit more of a sneaky way about the way their pay might work, for example. They might earn probably still under, but maybe you know, $200, but 150 of them goes to accommodation, another 20 goes to That's right. so, food or something yeah, like that. So with your passport taken away, um, there's very little hope you can go and find another job because we had to get your passport back. You're living in places where, you know, it's it's very a normal environment, so people don't really put their hand up and say this is this is actually inappropriate, mm. and uh, the story gets controlled. So that's so so we know that's happening, but the Labor Party want to appoint an anti-slavery commissioner. Right. Yeah, so, so what is that going to entail? I really don't know. I mean, they're, they're talking about it. It's new. Got responsibilities including publishing annual list of countries and regions and industries and products that are recognised as having a high risk of modern slavery. And what they're actually trying to do is bring in corp bring in more corporate responsibility mm. to how we are engaging with other countries and other organisations that are providing us goods and services who are involved in slavery themselves. Right. So this is all about uh, corporate responsibility. And I just I find this really interesting because for those of you who are as old as I am, we know that there used to be essentially a ledger or a line in the PL to deal with bribes in certain countries. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that became a little bit unsavory after a while and it's that's kind of gone away. 
and we just don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. I'm sure perhaps. I'm sure it just gets accounted slightly Oh, I'm sure it just gets accounted for in a more, more creative way. Yeah. Uh, and this is about um, forced labour um, and dealing with organisations that are dealing with alloc the allocation of additional resources to support um, counter-modern slavery, people smuggling, human trafficking, and uh, it's aimed to, um, yeah, just, just to not be what they say, a, uh, a tick in a box um, approach to modern slavery. So this is all very new. Again, we are, um, we're still mm. learning about all this. These are all just uh, this is just something ambitions, but something that's popped up. Did you get the feel as though it was outwardly focused or yeah, inwardly no, focused? Yeah, no, mostly. It says entities should be conscious of the potential upcoming changes to preemptively review their supply chains and identify potential high-risk suppliers in preparation for the potential introduction of more onerous obligations. So we're talking about a, a fundamental change in legislation making the end user responsible, I mm. guess, for this this question of whether slavery's happened. I mean, I don't, I don't mind it as a as a kind of policy. I think, you know, generally modern slavery is probably a pretty abhorrent kind of um, thing that happens in, and certainly in Australia. Um, what I would like to see from that, though, is a bit more, a little bit more inwardly focused. I mean, certainly it's great that we are focused. Let's on try. Let's try and stop slavery in Australia first. <laughs> well, I mean, it, we can do both. Actually, well, it should be said. Yeah, like, they can do both. Like for example, I don't see any reason why that shouldn't be applied to the very large supermarket companies um, and making sure that they treat their yeah. employees in a way that makes sense well that's true and there's also you know that this and we and we know that there's been some issues with this is the um peace workers yep. the guys that were picking yep. um so i uh, look i'll be interested to see how this plays mm. out i would be very interested to have slavery wiped out uh and um, mm. it's it's it does. It happens far too often, and it does happen in Australia. Um, yes, for those of you who, who think Australia is um, is exempt from this sort of thing, it's happening actually on our back doors. Um, we know of several matters that have happened in the Gold Coast, for instance, mm -hmm. and we're in Brisbane, and that's eighty kilometres away. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. it's it is definitely happening out there. The next one, I think, is going to be a favourite of yours, Mr. Yeah. D. Santana. Yeah. This is about the professor who had an inappropriate oh, relationship nice. with a student while on a, an excursion at the university. Yes. Now, yes. we're talking about two adults engaging in sexual activity off campus where it was absolutely reciprocal. Yes. In fact, I, for memory, the, the evidence kind of came out that the student was the one who... Pursuing initiated yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Wholly consensual and instigated by the relevant student. Yeah. So what are we talking about here? We're talking <laughs> there are we have a completely consensual relationship right. between a two adults. Two adults. One being a professor. Yes. One being a student, student of a university. They're on they're in a way on a it was like a retreat sort of thing. Oh, yeah. 
the purpose of the yeah, retreat was... Yeah, academic retreat, in which was held at a beachside location, attended by both the academics and students. It says the attendees at the retreats included a student who was referred to as the relevant student at the proceedings, mm. and she had been enrolled in the maths course, and which the, the applicant, the um, lecturer, was, was the lecturer at the time. The lecturer was in his mid-30s and the relevant student was in her 20s. Right, and from memory, there was no question that all the marking... Oh, sorry, I'm just going to move my chair around. <laughs> all the marking, all the assessment for that, I assume, semester um, had been done. Look, uh, but I, I understand the retreat was yeah, kind of mid... This is not about the, yeah. This is not about gaining favour, from what I can see. This mm. is this is simply about whether or not it's appropriate for a lecturer to have a relationship with a student. Mm. Mm. And there was a bit after that, wasn't there as well? They kind of she he breaks it off, and then she really pursues. Yeah, him. There's, there's a pursuing going on. It, it's all just very. It's but the the interesting thing is, I don't think the student actually made much complaint. It wasn't until she left. I believe a couple of years later, um, where she, uh, I'm not sure that the, what brought it about, but she made the disclosure basically on the way out. Um, and the university looked into it and terminated him. They did. They did. They did terminate him. And there was a case. Yes. He won initially. <laughs> he won. And they said, uh, <clears throat> there doesn't appear to be any inappropriate conduct here. Two adults having a consensual relationship is, is, not unlawful, so there's kind of nothing happening yeah, they, they, it, um One of the, the best kind of lines that came from it was, I believe, the counsel for the applicant saying that uh, to uphold the termination would be, would be to subjugate women to the fact that they don't have their own free will. So, yeah, so there were some <clears throat> arguments in court about what it meant for a for two adults to have a relationship mm. and to say that... It was inappropriate for the man to have the relationship with the woman would would is to say the woman has no power to say no. Yeah. And uh, and they took that and they understood that. Mm. Um, then there the was appeal. there was an appeal. <laughs> High, this has been one of the, I think certainly one of the hotliest fought. Yes. Uh, unfair dismissals through a fair work commission. There's no money in unfair dismissal people out no, there. So, no. you know. He wants his reputation th back, I suppose. There's really, yeah, they're not gonna, he's not going to recover legal fees. No. No one's, no one's <laughs> getting paid here, um, except for the lawyers, of course. Yeah, there's but, four QCs involved. Yeah, there's just so, so much money floating you know, around. We're on a, this might also be appealed, you know. So, at the moment, um, it went to the full bench, the Fair Work Commission, and they overturned the reinstatement. Yeah, so what, what, where was the, the differing of opinion? Well, they, they, they said on appeal, the full bench found that the applicant's conduct, subsequent non-disclosure of, of it, is, in fact, the serious breach of employment obligations. And they stated that the applicant's duty at the retreat was to engage in education of students. So it was plainly incompatible with his duty to take the student down to the beach and become intimate with her. Um, it says further it was held that the relationship was consensual, did not impact on the finding that there was a valid reason for the dismissal. So they took, they took a different mm. approach. They, the, the full bench decided that... The reason for going to the retreat was not to fraternise, mm. but, in fact, to, what was the word? 
um, to engage in education. So it wasn't <clears throat> wasn't what he did, but it, what it, it's what he failed to do. Yeah, he failed to to educate. Yeah. However, when he was on the retreat, he mm, was working, and yeah. he was principally an educator. I mean, that's, yeah, he wasn't. If you he were to put him as a one-word and and job. we've talked about this a little bit about what is workplace conduct and what isn't workplace mm. conduct. Um, but I just wonder. Uh, they they said it wasn't puritanical. Blah blah blah. Um, there were a couple of really interesting things that came out in the case, like he actually asked the other students whether it'd be okay if he went. If he got naked, yeah. right? I mean, there was, yeah, there was some strangeness was really, about the way it was handled yeah, um, at the time. He went down, it must have been warm because yeah. there's no way I'd be hopping in water that was freezing. But he went down to this um, this beachy Beach. area at night at night, and just put his hand up and said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swim naked. Does anyone have an issue with this? Mm. And everyone went, no, do what you need to do, dude. So he went down, had a bit mm. of a swim naked. She got in. And it was this kind of, I'm really interested that, if his argument wasn't he was at, if his argument that is he was that he wasn't at work why would he be asking the students if it was okay to do something yeah. so there was kind of this 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 failure i think to understand what his role was i don't necessarily agree with this decision oh well if if we know this happens if this was a different environment and it wasn't a university let's say it was a recruiting firm mm -hmm. they do all sorts of things when it comes to prizes and and awards and they they go to all these kind of spaces where you know they go to like resort areas they book out the entire resort and have big award weekends yes, yes. there's all sorts of mischief going on mm. and it's subordinates it's not subordinates mm. it's people you know that they're, they're all piling into one room they're not piling mm. you know it's all this stuff is going on we know this because there's always there's always something that comes out of it that's, oh. that's great for us <laughs> january's a busy month yeah it's, it's very good and i don't think purely having sex with somebody that is in your peer group necessarily mm. is unlawful and if we use and they did use the student slash lecturer kind of hierarchy mm. uh, as one of the reasons and we can do that in every situation oh there's always that similar power imbalance so are we are we going to prevent sexual activity in the workplace at these things are we going to expect that nobody's going to participate in any sexual activity because there's always going to be mm. some type of hierarchy there it mm. might be a manager it might be a 2IC it could be anybody and you know and are they all going to get fired I mean we are we mm. setting a really strange society where we can't have adult consensual activities uh, well I look I tend to agree um with 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 your point of view here um I, I'm not sure how they came to the conclusion that the retreat was Educational. Well, also, it was the middle of the night. Everyone was in bed. Um, <laughs> what education was happening apart from the sexual activities? Um, <laughs> you know, the, it wasn't like they were on a field study. It wasn't, you know, that they were... Well, they weren't, they weren't walking around counting um, um, penguin eggs no. at 2 o'clock in the morning. No. This is it, not what was happening. So, so look, I, I, don't, I think it was a very... I think, I think the university took a very 
hard-nosed approach, and I can see why they don't want people to be fraternising with students, etc. Mm. Um, lecturers fraternising with students in this way because because we're all adults and it all just gets up to mischief. But what policy did he actually breach? You know. Well, what about the what about the non-disclosure? Not telling anyone. Well, why do we have to tell people about our sexual activity? It's true. And, and arguably that will find yourself into your own trouble. Yeah, why are you going to be expressing what happened last night? Yeah, you I might mean, find yourself in trouble for some sexual harassment for that, especially yeah. if you're disclosing it about your PR. Yeah, especially it's not just if it's, you. And if it's <laughs> consensual and the person hasn't complained. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so maybe, uh, maybe I've just been a bit... Uh, maybe I just don't understand the issues that are at play here and I'll get 100,000 emails from someone. But I just don't, I don't see the problem with this. I, I would see the problem if it was during work hours, if it, they were still marking, if there was some sort of favouritism. Yes. I, I can see all of that. So I can see that there is, in some point, mm. a policy that could be breached that has inappropriate conduct and there's favouritism or something's happened. Yeah. This case represents almost the the perfect storm mm. where they're not he's not falling foul of any of those things which is very rare mm. very very rare you know these kind of cases you'd imagine there's always if they're a subordinate they might be a team and there's going to be a, an issue about favoritism from the outset mm. um if it's during work time if they're flirting for example during work time things like that they might be doing sort of sexual harassment just in and around the place which might make others uncomfortable things like that but that's none of this no it's none of that i just it's anyway so poor the poor side got fired didn't get fired and now I, it's been i fired. dare say given given what's uh <laughs> happened today i suspect this will not be the last we hear about that well it's been going on literally like forever now so we'll uh, just have to we'll just have to see what happens next if you if you fought it this much i don't know why you wouldn't fight it anymore <laughs> okay so i've got another i've got another case but i yeah. want to talk about it in a slightly different way this is about in 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 the fair work act we have the kind of three causes of action access of evil we call well no no uh so yeah. it's done the fair work act so we've got uh, unfair dismissal, general mm. protections, and unlawful termination. Right. Well, now we never actually talk about unlawful termination because you can only get to unlawful termination if you don't have an unfair dismissal or general protections application available to you. And so it happens very rarely. Mm. And in fact, the entire time I've been working in employment law, there's only been one case that I can think of that was that I could genuinely Similar. start an unlawful mm. termination application. So one was started. Yes. Yes. So, and uh, what was the reason that they said that the others were not available? Well, there to was. Them? Well, they, they, uh, it, there was a jurisdictional objection that there was um, a general protections matter available to them. Right. So what were the what were the facts? <laughs> I still don't believe this is this is still part of the story, even two years later. But somebody refused to wear a face mask. Right. Right. Medical exemption. And I take it they were terminated for that. They were yeah. terminated. So the employee worked for a not-for-profit bookstore in Adelaide. Um, and in accordance with the public health orders, the employer directed its employees to wear face masks unless they had a relevant medical exemption. Now, the devil's in the detail there. Mm. Uh, the employee claimed that to have a medical exemption based on the diagnosis of claustrophobia. And I'm mm. sure that's a very serious thing. 
However, the employer did not accept this exemption, and when the employee continued to work to, to fail to wear a face mask, they terminated. By no longer being able to fulfill the inherent duties of the job. If you can't wear a face mask at work, and there's a directive out there that you have to wear a face mask at work, you get fired. Yeah. And look, guys, oh, they don't win. None no. of them win. I don't know. I mean, you might be able to present one that actually did win, but even even the BHP redundancy cut did win because mm. they just got sent back to do not win in the sorry not redundancy not, the, the, uh, the consultation case didn't win yeah, they just because all they did consult. was got sent back to consult and then <laughs> they everyone made got fired a, again and they made it abundantly clear <laughs> they were gonna fire everyone that it, <laughs> it, it was, was a, only the consulting that yeah, was the problem that was the problem um, so so look they don't win and this one didn't win either but there was this whole argy bargy about whether the full bench had the Sorry, whether the commission had the jurisdiction to hear this type of jurisdictional objection, which is hilarious. Forever and ever, mm. we've had, and, and it's changed recently, so general protection matters end up in the Federal Circuit and Family Court of Australia unless both parties agree in writing to arbitrate, mm -hmm. stay within the commission. So that happens... Wanting to keep it informed. Yeah, it happens like once every two informed. or three years. Most Pretty parties will only do it if neither party is represented. Yeah, because you'll get a lot more assistance from the commission than you will yeah, from the judges. Exactly. So it hardly ever happens. So there are, from time to time, jurisdictional objections that come up in a general protections matter. Mm -hmm. um, most of them that I have seen that be, they've been a party part to a part of my practice are about whether the person should have filed a dismissal dispute over a non-dismissal dispute mm -hmm. with the timeframes. And forever we've had correspondence from the Commission saying they don't have jurisdiction, they, they're not hearing those matters, that have, they have, those jurisdictional objections must go to court. Yep. And then we had a recent decision that happened yes. I think last year that said they do have jurisdiction yep. to hear them, and, which and, and would have helped they, me and my clients years ago. But <laughs> They in fact said that they must. Yeah. They must hear them. Because they're the gatekeepers, yep. essentially. So there was this question as to whether they could hear a jurisdictional objection based on unlawful termination mm. and it went around the mulberry bush a few times uh, and there was a lot of discussion about what was available and what wasn't available and we've had this before mm. uh, in terms of um, you know whether an unlawful termination is available because some one of the other ones isn't and there was this weird argument that the union created about it being fine because it was discrimination based on a, oh, what was it? Sorry, peoples. Um, they, they had they had used discrimination, but in a really strange way because of yeah. the because of the claustrophobia. It wasn't necessarily a impairment <laughs> because oh, because they're trying. <laughs> can can I? Can I kind of take a bit of a punt and say that the jurisdictional objection was that the, the general protections is available discrimination three five was available was available because she could have argued she had an impairment she had an impairment and therefore was being tre adversely treated because of that impairment is yeah. that kind that, of the that's, that's what they were saying but, and, the, but the union went no 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 claustrophobia <laughs> is not an impairment because it's not an illness or injury very very <laughs> bizarre situation where an applicant is trying to 
get themselves out of a discrimination application? Yes, <laughs> yes. So in the end, the full bench held that it was, in fact, a mental or physical disability. Yeah. And they could have, in fact. So they didn't get into the whole argument about the unlawful termination or the general protections. I just wanted to highlight that there was this really strange case out there that, dis that discussed whether or not the commission had the jurisdiction to do what they mm. needed to do, which is deal with the... Um, which was dealt with the jurisdictional objection mm. itself, and the full bench said that they did, which was which I just wanted to let everyone well, know. Well, it's it's a nice case because it reminds us of the things that we said to all of our clients all the time about it, which is the key word there is available. Yeah. It yes. doesn't necessarily have to be that you're going to... It's not... It might be a worse option. Yeah. It might be worse of your case and, that's right and less might be less strength less strength in it and so the, on and so forth but you can't hide clear. from the facts no the, le the legislation is clear that if the general protection one is available it might be worse but it was available then you can't yep. do an unlawful termination yeah now the last one i want to talk about just really briefly i think this really just brings um to mind how we need to draft things employment contracts mm -hmm. is this poor sod had been working um, uh, for a oh I don't have it on here <laughs> it's kind of weird um, this poor sod was yeah. working he'd just come just come off um, immigrated to Australia from mm -hmm. a African country and was told by his butchers that he needed to work 50 hours a week Cool. And so then the contract, or was no. it the usual thirty-eight plus reason? No, 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 no. It just said it just it just said you'll be working fifty hours, cool. um, and it was a um, it was an all-inclusive wage. Mm -hmm. Trouble was, he was not given overtime. He didn't didn't do anything. And so the wage wage didn't. So there was this. I mean, there was a massive problem. They they weren't given the um, small business. Um, so they weren't given the um, the. Fair work information sheet. Fair work information sheet. There was a bunch of issues about the pay slips. There was piles of problems with this. Mm. Um, and it, the case is incredibly long. <laughs> but uh, I, And they were talking about whether he fell into one award over another. Right. Uh, but my what I wanted to bring up today was just how important it is to, if you've got an inclusive sell, um, pay rate, mm -hmm. to make it absolutely known what you're including. Yeah. Because what happened in this case was they just said, oh, look, it's inclusive of X. But they didn't stipulate what it was. It wasn't in writing. The guy hadn't agreed to it. Mm. And they didn't mention it until three years after he started working. He just understood that he was going to get X amount of dollars for every mm -hmm. hour he worked. Um, and he wasn't even told that he didn't have to work 50 hours. And he had a new baby. There was a pilot. And he was working seven days a week, six right. days a week. Right. Um, and, yeah, it just, it just brought into sharp um, contrast. Focus. Yeah, just just how much our contracts need to be clear. clear. Yeah, because and it all comes down to what was agreed at yeah. the time. And if you don't make it clear, then... Yeah, so everybody out there, if you are making all-inclusive rates in your employment mm -hmm. contracts, again, there is another case, which they, they haven't decided on what the money is yet. Now that they've decided they've done a whole pile of things wrong, they have to go back and agree to what the money is yeah. and then go back to court and see if the judge will agree. Yeah. But, look, I think it's super important that we get this right. Um, 
you can't rely on what's happened in the past. You can't rely on what everybody else is doing. No. Get it right, guys, because you could be slammed like this guy's about to. And it'll be quite a lot of it's money. Super, quite a lot it's super. It's it's all the penalties that are attached. There's a bunch of problems with this one. So yeah, just a uh, little hands up there. As we said, I think we've said the last three podcasts. Contracts are king. King contracts are king. Get back to them, look at them, review them, make sure that they, what you are thinking is exists is actually in them. exists. Yeah. And the last, last, last thing I want to give a shout out to OptiMove. They're the ones that moved me from the city out to where we are in Tingalpa. Uh, they were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So thanks a lot, OptiMove. You are brilliant. Recommend them. They were great for me. All right. Well, I think that concludes this week. Um, thank you very much, yes. everyone. And uh, we'll speak to you next week. Yes. See you later, everyone. See ya. Bye.